0: In this episode, we share our experience of DUBDUBDC 2020. But before that, we also talk about our lives in the last few months during the pandemic, where we've been working from home. This is Contravariance, a podcast about Apple, Swift, and other technology-related topics.
1: Um. Yeah, so you're in uh, Barcelona, so you you moved there, Um, you're obviously not in the office yet, but you could go because the office is open, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, so they asked me, so basically what happened, right, is uh, I finally ended up moving to Barcelona, um, but actually mainly for for tax reasons, like for legal reasons, um, because I was living in the Netherlands in between uh, Germany and, and Spain, and... I am not planning to visit the office anytime soon. They did ask me if I wanted to, because mm-hmm. we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially all the, the direct iOS colleagues are, are staying home for the next few months as well, because most mm-hmm. of them are still you know dealing with kids or all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not really much additional value uh, if I would go there. But I am looking forward to going to the office again mm-hmm. once once everything settles down and i think that won't be for for another long time but we'll see
1: yeah i mean maybe it's a nice change of place from time to time so um as for me i also plan to go to the office in hamburg um from not next week but the week after on at least one day a week just as as a change of place um have a different environment and so on
0: oh yeah i mean i arrived here not you know, not a week ago. Yeah. So for now, I'm just Everything is new. in and Yeah. getting used to things. And then maybe at some point, I'm similar, going to do something similar as you just said, where I say, okay, I'll go to the office once a week or twice a week or whatever.
1: Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah.
0: I think if I can keep it to like, okay, let's get some lunch with some colleagues and some friends from time to mm. time, uh, I'll probably do that for for the next while. But we'll see. Mm. Maybe I'll surprise myself.
1: I'm currently um, visiting my mother and she lives alone and she lives so for the listeners and she lives quite far away from where I live so in order to arrive by to, to reach her by train it takes me six hours um, so I can't visit her that often it's not like after work I can go there for a visit and um, she's over 70 so due to corona um, my last visit was early February after that basically the corona situation happened and i was afraid that i would be infected on the way to her on the train maybe and then i would infect her and so i decided to not visit her for some time Um, but as she lives alone um, at some point i felt okay you really have to visit her again she has her sisters and brothers living here they visit her oftentimes but still um, it's different when i'm not there and so now that at least in Germany, the numbers are very low and the new infections are very low. I decided I would try it, and basically I took on two masks, um, sit on a set on a train, and then took the um, took the courage and visited her. And so I'm here for around two weeks now, and that's really great. She's um, I can really see how it gives her energy that I'm around, and for me it's also nice. I'm meeting old friends. Um, I'm Basically, this is in the countryside, so I'm, I'm running outside and, and enjoying the, the nature and so on. All that is great. But I also plan to really nice. um, do some, yeah, it's, it's really nice. And I also feel like this is giving me energy. I, um, I spent a lot of energy the last couple of months working on Hypertech, but also at work. Um, the, the job was very exhausting because of, um, of a project that's been going on, and that took a lot of energy. Um, and right now I'm not doing any computer-related stuff, almost. So I'm I'm mostly just spending time with mom, um, except for updating her tech stack here. That is, I have a, a remote system here so that I can easily have video chats with her, and I'm a bit working and fiddling with that to improve it. Um, but when I arrived, um, the internet was broken. Basically, the um, there's a... There's a flat internet here that basically it's not dsl it's from the building and that didn't work anymore and didn't know why and uh, thankfully i got it fixed because i did a couple of days of remote work from here which is great about corona you can work from everywhere and i was afraid it wouldn't work and i couldn't work but in the end i I got it fixed the day i arrived but that was a bit tricky
0: nice yeah but, but i can totally attest to it being nice to you know visit mom again because it's basically what I did as well in in these last three months um, before I went to, to Barcelona. Mm. And for me, the situation is, is a little different, of course, uh, or of course it is different because she's still living with my, my, my brother. So she's not living alone, but Mm. yeah, it's, it's been a fantastic time being with her, being with my brother, spending just some quality time together. And, and also, you know, the countryside, I think, is, is somewhat similar there. Uh, so it's a nice, nice change of pace. And now I have a new change of pace, but, uh, but in Barcelona this time.
1: Yeah. And as I saw, because you showed it to me on a, on a maps link, you are very close to the beach. I'm envious.
0: Yeah. So for me, like, I don't really have a big preference of exactly where to live. Although, given what's going on, I wouldn't mind being a little closer to the office um, so that I could potentially walk or, or, or grab a bike to go there. Um, but I had to find a place on relatively short notice. Um, and I was recommended this by uh, by an ex-colleague. So, and, you know, yeah, it's close to the beach, which is not a big problem you know it's nice right so it's, it's a good problem to have um but we'll see where i will go next because i am planning to to look at other things hmm. um and that might be a little further away from the beach but i can st- it's, i mean it's barcelona you know it's not yeah <laughs> yeah i hamburg yeah. is somewhat close perhaps but yeah anything in barcelona and like I can grab a train and in 30 minutes, I'm at a, at a fantastic beach. So yeah, that's no true. problems there. Yeah.
1: So let's uh, switch topics um, because the dub happened and there is a lot to talk about. And I don't even know where we could start. So let's just start with a very wide question. That is, did you enjoy the dub-dub?
0: Hmm, It's a difficult question to answer actually, because I would say yes. Uh, but I also haven't really looked into too much other than the keynote and the State of the Union um, because WDC mm. took place in the week before I would move. So, you mm. know, there were some other things that were on my mind. Um, mm. Nevertheless, I think from what I've seen, people getting together digitally, uh, people discussing things, um, and this whole new format, specifically with the shorter videos, uh, I think worked out really well. And I think while being in, in w, like at DC is fantastic, it's a fantastic experience. And once or if we go back to that again, uh, I would so highly recommend it to anyone. But it's not super necessary either. And I think they did a great job at making it feel like a DC even though we weren't there.
1: I I do agree with everything you said. Um, for me, also, I mean, you were busy with moving, but we had um, at work a very busy week because OKRs were planned and a lot of other things. So I didn't get much time to look into this, and um, I feel that was for me a bit the biggest drawback. And if the conference is going to be held the same way next year, which we don't know yet, then I would probably do something like. Um, take time off or discuss with the company that um, watching dub dub videos um, let's say in the afternoon is um, is considered as working time because if you send somebody to San Francisco that's a lot more expensive um, and they're also not working there they're ingesting information and I feel doing that doing that from home doesn't really isn't really a difference so I, I think there ought to be time for that so that people can can follow this properly and um, but but that's a different topic however for me so I I had i had trouble keeping up there it's just so much that happened there were so many videos and i didn't have time in the evening so i'd only watched a couple of videos most of my news i actually got from twitter from cool things people posted with uh small with screenshots and short gifs that basically explained new things and that was how i got most of my information because the week was very difficult for me and busy and there was so much to watch
0: yeah but also Twitter was tricky for me, right? Because the, the videos were still posted like late in the evening for us, or at least mm-hmm. in the evening. So I didn't have time or I didn't spend the time watching those. So I would wake up and it would open Twitter and it would have like 500 messages or 500 mm-hmm. tweets. I was not going to read those. Like mm-hmm. I was hoping that if there was something really cool between all of those, I would get to know it at some point. But yeah, I couldn't spent the energy to to watch all of that. So,
1: yeah, um, I'm yeah I'm still keeping up. I have a list of downloaded videos that I'm still watching, and there's a lot of fantastic stuff. The additions to Swift UI are really really cool, really cool. Um, also that they are expanding UIKit um, and adding cool stuff like the the additions they did to, to UI Collection View are great. And one of my favorites is now if you're deciding whether you want to use UI Collection View or UI Table View, there's a smart message from Apple that says if you want to use UI Table View, please consider UI Collection View instead, which is basically a soft deprecation, telling users don't touch this, use UI Collection View. I love that because that moves the friction away for people deciding what to use. Don't use UI Table View. Done.
0: I'm still a little conflicted there because I love UI Table View and I think the API is a lot more friendly than ui collection view but that might just me be me being or me having more experience with UI table view apis Um, but yeah i I definitely have things to catch up on like that Mm. Uh, and i'm looking forward to it but i know for myself from basically all the years of WWDC uh, except the one that i was able to to attend in person i find it really difficult to keep up to date with things if I am not there. Like putting in energy to watch those videos, like like that to me takes a lot more energy than actually like attending a talk or attending a workshop, like at a conference. Um, and it's just also a very different experience, but yeah, that's that's tricky for me.
1: Yeah, I feel the difference is that you are trying to do it on your own time and not at, w- at your work time. If you had the whole week free, I think it would be much easier to do that um but then a bit is also that you're never going into a talk alone right you're always running around in packs at dub and then when you go somewhere it's usually with a group of people and then that makes it easier because everybody goes there you just follow at least that's yeah, how true. i experienced it
0: true but i think taking some time off or spending some time at work watching videos that could work but still it's weird like I don't know, just watching videos like separately from doing anything else. I don't know. It doesn't work too well for me, Um, but I was actually inspired to do something similar maybe next year because um, uh, someone I've been mentoring for a while. And at this point is more of a friend than than a mentee. Like he uh, has been working on on a great app. Uh, but he's in the pharmaceutical industry, so he's actually not an iOS developer. So this is his spare time thing. Mm -hmm. And he just took two straight weeks off for the week of DubDub and also the the week after. Um, so he's been like absorbing everything. And I think on Tuesday already he sent me a message saying like, yeah, I want to rebuild my whole app, (laughs) (laughs) which just to, to, to make the point more clear is already fully built in SwiftUI and all of that. So okay. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly one thing that comes out of DubDub. There are a lot of things also for me in HyperDeck where I feel like, OK, I should really rebuild this now with, with the stuff where I have terrible hacks around something that is now working properly. Um, but it, doing that it just um, adds an enormous additional amount of work into an already rather big project and moves everything far into the future. Um, it's always tricky to consider if you want to support something that is working fine, just to use the new APIs right away, or if you rather want to wait a bit longer until there are more things that would merit a rewrite, more features, yeah, for example. Interesting,
0: because it's, I, I feel that making those kind of trade-offs is like a big part of our job, like our daily job. But it is complete, like it's completely non-trivial, and it's very difficult.
1: I mean, it happens every update, right? Um, usually, you also can't use the new things, but you can use at available, and then you can at least for people using iOS fourteen, let's say, you can you can use the new technologies, but then you have. Many people do that, but then you have two code paths. You have doubled the code, basically. So if you want to add an additional feature, you have to do it in the old implementation and in the new implementation. Or you ch- or you say, basically, the new features are only for the people that use iOS 14, but that's confusing for the user. And so it's already tricky. But waiting too long um, only adds tech depth. And then you gain that, and that's also tricky. It's, there are so many things to consider.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, well. I think, quote unquote, luckily, like many of the things Apple announces only work for newer versions, right? So last year, mm-hmm. I remember having a great time adopting uh, dark mode and, and shipping that on day one. And that was, you know, we didn't have to care about informing, well, to a certain extent we did, but like iOS 12 just didn't support it, right? Like that mm-hmm. was clear. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have to have two code paths, or mm-hmm. and we didn't, choose to re-implement or implement a dark mode in, in iOS 12. Uh, and I think this year is similar with things like WidgetKit and, and and things like that. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely also part of, of some of the new things that are being announced. Yeah. And actually, today I recorded a video for Swift Island, uh, which I'm pretty sure you will see something of rather soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also... like. I recommended watching, uh, a video on, on what's new on iPad. Um, but like every single year, like Apple, like leased this bar higher and higher and higher, and you can't do more and more and more. So it's like really figuring out, okay, what is like a modern, modern app and, and what kind of things do I not do like consciously leave. You know be beside the road and and where do Mm. i want to go with this product where do i Mm. want to go with this app yeah
1: and for many things you also have to consider which tech to use um if you let's say swift ui is a fantastic technology for many things but it may be that you are trying to do something let's say with a list um, that just doesn't work with SwiftUI um, because it's um, that hasn't been added by Apple yet. That means it might be added as a feature somewhere in the future, but right now it doesn't. And so then you have to consider if you use a collection view there instead of a Swift UI list, for example, or um, other parts where you can most you can do most with Swift UI, but at some point you always have to use UIKit. And um, that's fine. Um, I heard I heard that Apple is even doing that themselves. The new color pickers that we now have on uh, iOS, they are written in Swift UI, but they're also visible, usable in UIKit views. Uh, apps. So basically, Apple is doing that themselves. So they they have a lot of code written in SwiftUI now that is embedded in UIKit, and, and SwiftUI was always meant for that. And so that doesn't mean that you have to decide for one technology. You can use both.
0: Yeah, and I think that's another one of those those trade-offs, right? And to me, it feels rather similar to Objective-C and Swift, which is you know also built in a way where they are interoperable. And especially at the beginning, we're all, we were also going to still use more Objective-C because some things are just not available in Swift. And this is now happening with, with a UI framework.
1: Hmm. Um, do you have a favorite feature, a favorite announcement from this dub dub?
0: Ooh, I wouldn't know actually. Probably, but I wouldn't know. I think there are some fantastic new uh, things in accessibility. Um, And I think while for developers, it's, you know, rather a rather small set of additions, um, there's this new feature where you can actually triple tap on the hardware on the back of your hardware. I'm not sure if it only works for iPhone or also for iPad, but but at least for iPhone. Uh, And then you can like set up a shortcut for that. So, you know, triple tapping the back of your phone, you can take a screenshot. Or you can run a whole shortcut and do anything you like, uh, which I think is, is fantastic. Uh, as well as these sound recognitions, where uh, with uh, machine learning and where all of that kind of uh, things, uh, Apple has built something where if you are hard of hearing or, uh, or just, you know, imagine we're, we're, uh, we're recording this podcast, I have my, my headphones on. Um, and you can just set up like, okay, let me know when the bell rings, or let me know when uh, there's water running, or let me know when the cat meows. Um, and I love these kind of accessibility features because they blur this line between accessibility as, as something that only, you know, people that are not able-bodied or have, have some issues with, with motor or whatever use, but it's, it's available for anyone and it makes everyone's life, life easier.
1: Hmm. I think um, my favorite announcement, which surprised me the most, was um, the new Big Sur. That is how different macOS looks now. And I've, I've installed it right away on my machine, um, on my primary, so I'm a bit... Uh, <laughs> Oh, Fearless, no. there. Fearless there. Um, but also, I didn't read the the side note that if you do that, you can't. I did it on a secondary partition, but I didn't read the notification that when you do that, you can't update your secondary partition anymore. Uh, but it's fine. I, I'm i just running it now, and I don't have any problems. I love it. It's uh, it's a bit slower right now than um, Catalina was, um, but that's understandable. It's an early beta, so I suppose there's still a lot of debug code in there that probably slows everything down. Um, but you can clearly tell it's not as zippy as uh, Catalina was, um, the, the final version I had. Um, however, what I, what I like about this um, is that to me it, it makes it clear what the path is for the iPad and the Mac. Um, because beforehand you had the iPad and you had the Mac and then we would always question what will happen to the Mac? was Apple investing time into the iPad? And now that Mac OS basically looks like a pro version of iPad OS, um, I feel that Apple clearly has laid out where they are going. So the the idea I had is basically when you buy the cheapest iPad, not the iPad Pro, but the 300 bucks one, when you buy that, you get an iPad and you can do a lot of stuff on there. Um, but if you want to do more, if you want to do m- have more features on this iPad than you buy an iPad Pro, so it's still iPad OS, but it's iP- its iP- iP- iPad OS that does more, and then you can do a lot of stuff in there. Uh, but then maybe you want to do even more, and then you can buy a Mac. That's basically it looks like iPad OS, but it does more, and then um, apart- and then from there you can go another step and you go to the MacBook Pro, for example, which is still iPad OS, but it does more, and uh, the, the it, oh, it looks the same, it fe- feels the same. So it, it's called macOS, right? But it looks like Apple OS. It's it's right. so similar right now that for you have to understand it from the perspective of a user that is um, oblivious to all the the Apple details that we know about. He walks into an Apple store, he doesn't know anything about it, and he buys an iPad. And then at some point he realizes, okay, I, I need to do. To use uh, to do complex film editing or 3D rendering, and there's no software for that on the iPad, and so he um, he decides to buy a MacBook. He can do that now, but still the operating system looks like the iPadOS he started with, just with more features.
0: So, do we call it iPadOS Pro or iPadOS
1: Plus? So I think that will stay with macOS, obviously, <laughs> um, but I think the idea is that it's basically you, it's it's one level more proness um, that you get there. Um, and if that is indeed the case, and this is at least obviously just a theory I have, then the new Macs could indeed come with touch screens because it would be weird if you go if you go this line where with each level you get more pro features that some features fall by the wayside. That wouldn't work, right? So it would be weird that the iPad OS has touch and then you go to the even more pro version of iPad OS, which is Mac OS, um, but' suddenly you use, you use the touch feature. And so by by that reasoning, I feel that maybe the new Mac, the ARM Mac that comes out might actually have touch Um, and the the biggest Argument against that is that a lot of apps are not optimized for touch. Like when you when you install any app, it's not made for suddenly being touched. But I thought about that and I wondered, actually, they are optimized for the touch bar. So basically, they, they have a limited way of interacting to touches and that comes from the touch bar. So even if you have an app that is not optimized for a touch screen, it would still work with a touch screen because it has been optimized for the touch bar a long time ago. So you, the basics
0: are indeed possible. And then it's not just the basics, right? Like you mentioned the, the touch bar, but you're telling me this, and I am thinking we have Catalyst, and mm-hmm. we have iPadOS apps and iOS apps going to be running on the uh, R Max. So right. I think it's much more than just the touch bar.
1: Right. So for those, you would. What- Get the full touch support, right? Because they have uh, they they were built for touch initially, so that's basically still in there. And for the macOS only apps like Sketch, for example, even though you can't do everything because it's not initially updated uh, for touch, um, and that might probably become with additional support in AppKit and so on, um, you already have support via the Touch Bar implementation. So it you wouldn't start at zero basically. If there's a new ARM Mac that let's say has LTE built in and a touchscreen. All the apps would already be usable. Some would be a bit less usable, but they would still be usable.
0: Right. Yeah. And then we have another layer of like decisions and trade-offs to make because we have another layer on top of everything. Where now we have another touchscreen and another like uh, operating system to support, and it's going to be interesting. I'm yep. still skeptical about this whole like, you know, touchscreen on a Mac, but I think. <laughs> especially if we look at a crazy like 10 years from now Mm. that is inevitable i feel so i'm in one way or another
1: yeah i'm also not necessarily implying that that's that the first arm mac will have a touchscreen i'm not sure about that um it's also a bit of a long-term thinking but on the other hand if they bring out a completely new mac um, i feel like when apple brings his own custom silicon onto the mac platform they really wanted to shine right so it has to be i'm just guessing i I guess it should it would from apple's perspective then have to be a really beautiful new hardware with new things that the other macs can't do Um, as a matter of fact most macs don't have built-in wire um, lte or um or something else um because that's really difficult apparently with the intel chips but now that Apple controls the whole stack, it's easy to add an LTE modem to the to the machine. And then you can be online wherever you are. Um, so if they add this all this stuff, if, if it already breaks away so far away from the, what the previous Mac was, why not also add the touchscreen?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I think especially with hardware, Apple is a company that is rather, you know. How do you say this? Like they iterate a lot right they make small improvements they test new things and then at some point you see like some bigger leaps but i haven't really seen them like make big big leaps like okay first our mac is going to support like touchscreen um and i like that because that is safer and that is more you know easy to to get into Mm -hmm. um but, you know, sometimes they do switch and, and they make big changes like the retina screens. Right. Maybe in, in a few years, they might actually have a camera that is decent. So, you know.
1: <laughs> um, there also more comes to mind. The initial MacBook Air, that was a big leap where beforehand... Oh, wow, that was great. Yeah, it this one this machine defined the industry until now. Basically, a lot of computers after that suddenly looked like that. So before that, computers were these clunky laptops. So that was a very big leap. Um, and then very recently, um, the magic keyboard together with the cursor support on the iPad, that was also su- something that came out of nowhere. Suddenly, there's a you have a keyboard with a touchscreen and you have a cursor, and it's it came all in the span of a couple
0: of months. Oh yeah, that was a big one. Uh, in a dot release, like we had the the, um, yeah. the 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 pointer support, like the accessibility pointer support in iOS thirteen, uh, and I think we even talked about it. And I'm not sure if we talked about it on the podcast, but like, yeah, at some point this could morph into actual you know mouse support for iPad, uh, but that it came so soon was was definitely a surprise. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I have the Magic Keyboard on my iPad, and I, I love it so much. Like it, I'm using the iPad like 500% more just because of that. Um it's, nice. it's It's really nice. I, I don't want to miss it. It's, it's a huge difference. Um, it's also crazy how a device that has a touchscreen uh, just works so much better for me now that I can use it with a, a touchpad. I'm still using the touchscreen, but it's nice that you have it in both. Um, but it also led to a lot of situations now where I accidentally tap on my MacBook screen.
0: Yeah, I yeah I, I mean I still have the same quote-unquote issue with the iPad where I just don't have a you know it's it's an in-between device and I just hmm. don't end up really using it uh, although hmm. I did dust it off and, and charged it to install the, the the beta because I am not going to do that on my main device like hmm. no yeah <laughs> hmm. um, and I remember that one one when I did use it quite a lot. I was also like tapping my MacBook from from time to time. But yeah, that's yeah. that's years ago. Yeah. Um,
1: however, that I love the Magic Keyboard, so that's that's fantastic. And um, I feel like lately Apple has been really hitting it off in terms of uh, hardware and things. That it so I'm I'm so curious and so interested in this uh, new Arm Mac, um, and also into the performance that it will bring and so on. Um, it's so going going to be so interesting.
0: Did you look into getting a, a developer kit? Or is that not something you you want at this point?
1: No, I didn't want that. Um, because it's not going to have the actual chip that the machine will have in the end. Um, and then it, like, if, if I would have gotten the money back when shipping it back to Apple, I might have done it. Um, but the thing is, I, I guess I would have ordered it, booted it up once. And then it then it would just have collected dust. I have so many things and so much hardware lying around. Uh, that was, uh, yeah. I think I wouldn't have had the time to look into that properly, so I didn't order one.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think at work at this point, like it's not something that we now need. Like, hey, we actually need to to test whatever we're working on. Uh, so I think that was also not really an option.
1: Yeah, and I I, I think adding a bit of catalyst support would already help a lot for us and i don't think there's much much more where we need the arm hardware because you can also run it in the simulator and it ought to be fine
0: yeah but i think i I am looking forward to like looking more into catalyst and and Mm. seeing how we can start bridging that gap or you know Mm. it's not really a gap but like start moving in that direction
1: yeah i've i've been thinking there's a hack week coming up i've been thinking about maybe um in the hack week looking at that but let's see there's always so, so much we want to do when there's a hack weekend. so.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking of just doing that at some point, like whenever, like just flip the switch, like check mm. the checkbox, but then it probably won't compile. So yeah. It might
1: compile, but it would not be the best experience. And in the end, we want a okayish experience, right? At least, or even a, a fundamentally great one. And that, that requires a bit more work.
0: Oh yeah. Like to me, ideally and this might be a little different or might end up a little different in in the product if we, if we do go for it, but like, if we say we want to support it, we should do our very best and Mm -hmm. make sure it's great. And Mm -hmm. that it, you know, we, we shouldn't cut corners ideally, um, in theory, right. In practice, that's, that's not the case, but I would love to see like a, a, a really nice vision of, okay, if we go that way, we will put in the effort and we will support it going forward. Um, and I think that's also, I, I hope that's also something where Apple keeps hammering at, at the thing and, and making it better.
1: Yeah. Um, let's let go back to DubDub for a brief moment. I have another, you mentioned it earlier, and that is what, what do you think will DubDub be next year? Because the one thing that um, I realized about this um, this year's conference was that it was probably the most inclusive DubDub they ever had. Um, because a lot of people even though Apple tries to have the lottery and they, you, you in the lottery you basically uh, check mark um, what kind of ethnicity you are um, a lot of people simply can't pay this like it's, uh, San Jose is so expensive the flights are so expensive so for a lot of people they, they they are just they just don't have the money to to go there and now that you just needed an internet connection it's suddenly unbelievable inclusive for everybody. And so I wonder if this format as it is right now, isn't the much better format for the for the WWDC, even in the future without an official thing in San Jose, where everybody um, generates a lot of heat in the climate by flying one once around the world in order to listen to something he or she can also listen to from home.
0: Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there is no doubt about it. This is an, an, an was the most uh, inclusive and most eco-friendly and and most whatever WWDC up DC that we've seen, you know, since since it began. Um, first of all, I'm not sure if we can do things next year in person, so I wouldn't be surprised because of that to see it continue being remote. Um, but putting mm-hmm. that aside, I would still not be surprised. You know, like we you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more inclusive uh, and it seems like it was maybe even as good as uh, WWDC in person. And I think that that is what I just mentioned and on a completely different level, uh, mm. right? Where it's like, if we do the Mac app, if we do the, the Catalyst app, we have to not cut corners. And I think that's exactly what Apple did with, with WWDC this year and mm. I think it shows. Yeah. And one thing that I
1: would certainly miss is uh, when they're up, and you have all the people in the town, and basically there's a lot of social interaction happening. But I think that can also happen through all the other conferences that happen throughout the year. So for us in Europe, we can go to NS Spain or to a lot of the other conferences, and there you also always meet people, um, or, or Swift Avero and so on. And f- so I feel even if the, dub up is fully remote, that doesn't mean that you would, wouldn't run into the community anymore because I think then it's just that more people will go to these more local conferences um, and they are also cheaper. And so that would maybe allow people to, to go to a couple smaller conferences instead of one big one.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's still rather different because DC has about 5,000 people there for a full week, right, or well, 5,000 at just up Dc, so it's it's more, more, more than that. Um, while at a small conference, you know, you might have between 100 and, and 600 people. Um, that being said, I think you and I don't have to explain to our listeners or to each other that conferences are awesome, and you should attend them, and you should attend a few if you can, and if you, if you feel comfortable doing so, and you'll learn a lot, and you'll see a lot of cool faces and awesome people. And yeah, no doubt about it, both of them are great. Okay, uh, I think that's it for today. And for
1: this episode. Right. So thanks everybody for listening. And bus. I wish you a fantastic time in, and fantastic weekend in Barcelona.
0: I wish you a great time with your mom and Thank you. safe travels back. Thank you. Um, and and I hope you... to see you soon. Yes, I'll at least hear you soon. Oh, that for sure. That will yeah. happen. Yeah. We have a meeting on Monday. Well, not me. Not me. I have occasion vacation on Monday. But ah, I... true. Well, oh, we'll okay. have a meeting on Tuesday. On Tuesday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do. Okay, bye. Bye bye. They weren't part of the, the the apartment. I got them from Kate. Ah, right. I remember. Right. I saw that. Uh, very nice. And so what her happened temper. was she, she sent me flowers on Monday, like basically when I landed on Monday in Barcelona, she insisted to send me her, like send her my address. Um, and then if I did the, the first message, I said like, sure. And then she was like, where's the address? <laughs> Uh, and then on like tuesdays was like yeah the flowers were supposed to be there yesterday and like i arrived yesterday how um and then apparently they still didn't arrive on wednesday so she ordered another bunch and then i got both of those on wednesday and then she told me like yeah if they had not arrived on wednesday i would have just sent you one every single day until something arrived (laughs) but yeah i've been been rather spoiled this week i feel that's nice so I, and I arrived on, on Monday mm-hmm. uh, and then I went out for drinks and dinner with Richard mm-hmm. after he was finished working. And then on Thursday I went for tacos with Bertha. So yeah, it's been, it's been good.
1: That's nice. How was your uh, travel?
0: In the end it was pretty much just like normal, just mm-hmm. wearing a mask. Well, normal I say, but I think there were like seven flights in one day from Eindhoven, hmm. which is like nothing, right?
1: <laughs> That's very and, little, yeah.
0: And then I ended up taking a taxi from the airport in Barcelona to to the place. Hmm. Uh, and what I understood from the taxi driver is that there were only twenty-five planes coming into Barcelona a day, which is also very absolutely deep. very little. Yeah. Because he said, normally we have around 500 a day. So yeah, it's very hard for us at the moment, which mm. I can imagine.
1: Yeah. I Did I tell you that um, Heike and I, we um, ordered a flight to, um, we, we bought tickets for a flight to Tenerife in November and um, the flights were canceled afterwards. So right. it was already hard enough to find a flight there and then it was canceled. And then we thought, you know what? What we can do is instead of doing a direct flight from Hamburg, which is really difficult because there are very few flights from Hamburg, uh, why don't we go to one of the big places like Amsterdam or um, Frankfurt and fly from there? But even doing that was really difficult to find an alternative flight. Everything was basically Mm -hmm. taking 16 hours. And so right now we don't know what to do, but it's currently the flight situation is tricky. And I mean, it's understandable, um, but it makes planning very hard.
0: Yeah. You went to Tenerife last year as well, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Right and we really enjoyed it? it really enjoyed it and yeah, it looks biggest, like it then right yeah yeah so the <laughs> the upside is that um, it's it's not a long flight so it's 4 to 5 hours i think and i think it's 5 hours so it's not like flying to thailand um, but you still have good weather, and you have European amenities everywhere. The hotel was really good, so it was just a nice place that's not far away where you have great weather, and that 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 in November, and that was very very attractive. And so this year, because it's difficult to find a good place with great weather that's not far away in November,
0: Barcelona. No, it's cold in November. Well, it's I mean, I i was here in december 2018 it mm-hmm. was not cold
1: yeah but i'm um, we are talking 30 degrees and you don't have that you have around 20 ish if you're lucky 15 to 20 ish which is okay um but like walking around in in shorts um in end of november is tricky to find and um fair point yeah uh, but that works with Tenerife if you're a bit lucky but lucky so that was awesome. making
0: it you're making it a little difficult on yourself if you want to go in November and have that kind of weather, because then many options that normally would suffice, like a Barcelona, for example, mm. don't suffice anymore.
1: Of course. Um, the idea is that it's it's um, really nice. Basically, the summer is also great in, in Germany because it's also usually warm. The weather is good. But from August, October on, that's where the weather gets worse. And end of November, doing one trip and into the sun for two weeks really helps um go through the upcoming two to three months of darkness oh yeah so that's the idea behind it
0: oh i mean i totally like the whole idea right (laughs) don't don't get me wrong uh... yeah 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 yeah